Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Jen Lemmy. I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jen. Chad, we have a very quick podcast this uh, this morning. It's um, it's really good because it's so there's so much packed into it. Um, Russell Smelly, he is the track and field coach at um, Westmont in uh, California. And he's been there for several years now, and he's built a powerhouse there um, in in California. And his background, Chad, if you if you want to see the background that he was talking to me, you know, he was sitting in his backyard in California, early morning there in California. I'm so thankful he took the time. You could hear the birds chirping in the background. Um, but besides that, the the interview was so pa- so packed with information. I loved how intentional he was in answering those questions. Yes, 100%. These are the great topics that you guys got into thinking about finding a mentor, uh, thinking about ego uh, as a coach, and then uh, getting into coaching philosophy and and how long, uh, how long uh, we should take before we we write anything of of value based off of Coach uh, Russell Smelly's advice there. Um, But that's, uh, that's what I'm so excited to to preview and, and hear about. Uh, and we're just so excited for uh, Coach Russell Smelly to be on the podcast. We're ready to get into this one right now. Coach Russell Smelly, thank you so much for first waking up early then in California to record and second for, for being here on the podcast. Our first question is always, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, uh, and I like to think of myself as a coach who's a, a Christian because the Christian uh, nature and Christ influence every, everything I do. So I want to make sure that I live in that manner. So but defining myself as a Christian coach feels like I'm trying to do something uh, abnormal. Whereas if I'm a coach who's a Christian, it, it has influence on me and influence on others. Yeah, how, how has that definition for you developed through your time coaching? Um, the development, you know, a lot of mentoring, good, <laughs> who took an interest in me or I approached changed my life and how I wanted how I did things I wanted to be the person I'm becoming but you need help to get there and and feedback and my biggest mentor was my biggest rival uh, in our conference but he was 25 years older than me we developed a really sincere friendship and uh, often he challenged me in ways that were hurtful uh, initially because I wanted to please him not be challenged by him yeah. How, how did that work? How, how did that relationship work? You know, it it worked to the point of one, I knew I had to beat him if I wanted to be a successful coach or beat his teams. And we, we started exchanging those types of competitions. And uh, I think the way it worked was that he asked me to speak at his memorial service whenever that happened one day. Wow. And I did have the opportunity to speak uh, about his life uh, at his memorial service. So he was a deep and long friend. And we actually, ultimately, in London Olympics, he invited me to share the podium with him at the coaches, uh, the uh, coaching house in uh, London and share about coaching philosophy. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. All right. That was a loaded answer there. Um, so how did first that, that relationship start? Um, and then was it like a formal mentorship or was it just you trying to imitate what he was doing and him spurring you to 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 improve well i disliked him immensely i (laughs) 
mean guy. And his teams were really good. And I was trying to get my teams up to that level. And I started talking to him. I called and asked questions. And we were different personalities. When At the end of a conversation on the phone, he would just hang up. Uh, <laughs> and it's click. There was no buy or anything. And so I was learning to appreciate him as an individual, which helped me hopefully become less judgmental. So it was him taking an interest and being willing to share and us spending time together uh, at nationals. And we started having competition, even dual meets in yeah. the country, driving all the way to San Diego to have a dual meet with his team. How, um, and then what, what is maybe one message that, that he taught you through all the, the, you know, your entire relationship that now you try to, you know, share with your players or share with coaches that you come in contact with? Uh, integrity, do things the right way for the right reason and have a philosophy that supports that. And, and uh, one of the things he taught me was it takes about 15 years before you have anything to say <laughs> philosophy of coaching. And I literally 15 years, uh, it turns out I wrote my first paragraph, which began to be my philosophy of coaching. Wow. Um, can you give us a, a few of the headers or a few of the main topics of your coaching philosophy? Well, respect, uh, humility, and being transformational in the lives of the students we work with. Okay. Do you think um, sometimes coaches are more transactional than, than transformational with, with their athletes? Well, if we aren't transactional to start off with, we're not trying very hard to win. Uh, because initially, we th uh, that's what changed me with Jim Crakes, uh, the Point Loma coach is that I had a transactional thought, if I win, I'll be important and I'll get respect. It turns out that I gained his respect before I ever uh, had the opportunity for my teams to win. Yeah. It changed how I looked at my coaching. Yeah, that's, that's great. And now you, you know, you've had enough times to, enough years of experience now to test your coaching philosophy. Have they, has it changed at all or is it still the same one? Well, I, I shared with you my coaching philosophy I'd written on paper, and I was just that's looking right. at it again this morning and making changes because, I said, boy, that's an awkward paragraph. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Absolutely has changed me because the human part of me that wants to win can start to blame kids if things don't go well. And so you learn that aspect uh, that you're there to help them learn how to deal with the toughness yep. of competition, not to expect them to do something for you. Yeah. So it, it's helped me with my humanity. Yeah. <laughs> my philosophy and go back. No, wait a minute. Why did I just say that for? Why am I doing this? It doesn't fit. And that's another Jim Craig story. At one time uh, at, a, at a meet, I had the mic and I was calling a, a, a race with a rival coach who I didn't respect very much. And I said truthful things all through the race. And, and my guy won the race. And Jim, I'm walking over and I'm thinking, he's going to congratulate me. He said, that was really bad what you just did. <laughs> Stunning and awful. And I knew he was exactly right. Yeah. I think sometimes we do lose sight. Um, first, that everyone is watching, right? And then second, that yes. people, people will love us and we'll get respect from people just because we're successful and we win matches, races, meets, and all those things. Yes. <laughs> and don't want to be using student athletes to prove something about myself. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Um, now you, you casually mentioned that, that you spoke at the London Olympics. 
Um, give, give us a little bit more of that, that um, the background of how you got invited and, and how was that whole experience? Well, you know, the first line of my um, coaching philosophy is about uh, relationships. Yep. And Jim Craig's had a relationship with the one of the heads of the uh, London, uh, while well, he'd been a British coach for a long time, and they had had British athletes compete at Point Loma. So that relationship, so Dick uh, invited Jim to speak, and he said, would it be okay if I invited my friend? <laughs> and Jim was 83 at that point. Yeah. So uh, Jim invited me because we, we had talked philosophy more than training for years. And so that's how it came to be there. And then the experience of being in front and it was, it's uh, the global coaching house um, that uh, is a part of each Olympics put on uh, by this uh, particular British coach. And it's just a place for people to gather and talk and share ideas. It's a place to go see the gold medalist and the heptathlon or coach share about what they just experienced. Yeah. Was that just for track coaches or was it for coaches of any sport? It was built around track and field, but okay. uh, any coach could be involved. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Um, I was actually in London a few, a few days before it started. Um, okay. I, I graduated in 2012 and my, my family took me as my graduation gift to, to Europe and we were in London. We got to go to the headquarters there and buy lots of souvenirs. Um, but, but yeah, but, that, but that's, that's really cool that you got to be a part of the Olympic games. Yes. Uh, how now let's go back a few, a few years and, and tell me a little bit more about your story and how you got involved with um, sports and, and maybe how your faith has shaped your, your life from then. Well, interestingly, I got involved with sports because of baseball. <laughs> uh, back then, there were three TV stations. Saturday afternoon baseball was my passion. So I did all my chores and did everything so at <laughs> I could watch baseball. And so I became a fan. Um, and so sports was, was this place uh, growing up in the country, out in the farm. And you experienced that in Lynchburg. When you get out in the yeah. country, it's different than the town. And uh, there wasn't a lot of connection with many people around. So it just gave me connections of being with people and that somewhere along the way in high school, I took extra PE classes just to be able to play around the coaches okay. because I just liked how they interacted uh, with me. Okay. Um, how, how did you come to that realization that, that, that coaches were, were of importance to, to the development of, of young kids? Now that's a, that's a really good question. It's because not everybody thinks their PE coaches are the best, you know, <laughs> um, a, a lot of them despise PE coaches um, or any teacher for that matter. Um, True. But, but but you've come to the realization that, hey, maybe I should I should shadow. I should be around these people. Well, I was in the band. I played trumpet and I was in a really good band, uh, marching band, concert band, really enjoyed it. And then my brother, when I, I went out for track secretly, okay. it was a rivalry between the band <laughs> director and the coaches. And I couldn't be known to be on an athletic team. And then my brother went out for football. So I said, well, I'm going out for football. <laughs> that led leaving band. Uh, but that was a big influence on me too. You know, strong people who tell you how to be excellent, teach yeah. you how to be excellent, really influenced me a lot. I wanted to live up to that. Yeah. So um, a good leader helps people become better. And I liked the feel of that. Yeah. Um, and what, what kind of um, role did faith have in, in your growing up? I, I got saved when I came to Liberty as an 18-year-old. Okay. Um, 
How, what, did you grow up in a Christian home or, or did you come to, to the faith later in life? Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I was baptized in the Southern Baptist Church when I was 10. So I knew about evangelism. I knew about uh, scripture and I knew about Christ very deeply. And that influenced my character and who I wanted to be uh, a great deal. And from there, it was the matter of growing in Christ and not just being a Christian and yeah. name. How, how was how was that experience? Did, did you have people, maybe some mentors in that area of your life as well as you're growing up? Uh, I looked at the pastors, obviously. Yeah. Um, dad was my biggest influence uh, about character and integrity and reliability. Um, the best man in my life ever. So nothing like having a father who's faithful, who doesn't say a whole lot. He just shows you how to work and live with integrity. So that had a huge influence and going to church, making sure you're there. Yeah. Uh, my mom knew the scriptures. She taught those to me. So those were foundational for me. Yeah. What are some of the, the lessons that you learned from your parents that maybe you can share with coaches who are now having young kids? I have young kids um, or in the future are, are about to have kids. What are some of those lessons that, that you still carry on with you for, you know, to today? Well, my parents were very supportive. Uh, they provided all the things we needed. They, uh, we wanted to be in the band. They bought the instrument and they, <laughs> dad worked on commission. He had to sell something to make a living. And he did. What, a did, what did he sell? Well, at first he was a farmer, okay. then insurance, and then he sold cars. Okay. And, uh, and he was very good at it. He, you know, he's my uh, mentor and guide about being a coach. He was successful of making recruiting, yep. you know, playing cars regularly and convincing people that this was a worthwhile thing, but he never made anybody buy a car. He never felt like he had to make a sale. He presented them a good deal. And if they took it, great. And if they didn't, he said, I'll get you next time. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's great lessons. And um, how about, how about you, on your mom's side? Um, you said she memorized scriptures and she taught it in, um, you know, in, in the home. How, how did she shape your life? Well, she's a very passionate person. And uh, my dad is calm and quiet and has very little to say. And when he says something, you move as fast as you can. Because <laughs> uh, all he had to do was make a, I need this. And I ran as fast as I could. <laughs> my mom was more the passionate, deep feeling person. So I got a good mix of the two of them. Okay. And I had to learn how to live that and be that for myself. Because you, you grow up trying to please your parents and you can lose yourself. That's true. To parents. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I can, I can relate. I think my dad was also a little bit more of the not many feelings being shown and my mom, very passionate about everything she did. You know, it was even, mm -hmm. you know, just cleaning the house, very passionate or cooking dinner, very passionate. Um, but, but yeah, coach, sh um, share with us, um, how can coaches, you, you talked a lot about coaching philosophy what are some of the first steps that coaches can take in order to solidify their, their coaching philosophy, or maybe they can start thinking about their coaching philosophy? Well, I think it's a lot of personal examination. That, that's really the crux. You've asked a question. It's the crux of, of being a successful coach. And, and how do you define success? Uh, how do you know that you've done a good job? Uh, what are the parameters that you will use to define how you'll go about your coaching. Are you going to use athletes to an end and just push them? Are you going to care about them as individuals? So there were questions and gnawing things at me that talking to a mentor 
asking other coaches, you know, initially you ask, what's the workouts? What do <laughs> do to get my athletes good? And then you find out that's really short-sighted and yeah. learning to care about individuals. Yeah. And being accountable to yourself and holding yourself responsible for how you do things and what you do. Yeah. My, my coaching philosophy, one tenth of it is actually X's and O's. The rest, the rest is just about the Janes and the Joes, you know, Yeah. Uh, like, like we say, um, coach, thank you so much for, for taking the time. It, I know you had to wake up a little earlier. The background just, you know, your backyard looks incredible. <laughs> it's um, fun. <laughs> And so um, I think I would have a lot more fun recording podcasts if my background was like that. Um, <laughs> but, but thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, and how can we be praying for you? You know, I meant uh, uh, this is my 43rd year at West, <laughs> my 45th year in college coaching. And I just want to finish well, do a good job this year so I can do a good job next year and to know that I'm caring about individuals and, and taking care of things that need to be taken care of. Okay. Sounds good. Let's pray. Thank you. Dear Jesus. Thank you so much for, for coach smelly. Um, thank you that you, you, he's been faithful to you, Lord, for so many years there at Westmont that, that he's impacted so many athletes uh, towards your kingdom, Lord, that, that he was a, living example of what it means to be a Christ follower, to, um, to, to, to pursue you, Lord. Father, I pray that you, you help, um, help him as he now, you know, keeps, keeps coaching, Lord, and, and teaching that, that he'll be faithful, that, that he'll be focused on you, Lord, that um, he'll be able to impact everyone that he comes in contact with for your kingdom. That, that, you, that he will continue to be a role model for those that he comes in contact with. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 That, uh, that was so good. I love, I love hearing uh, Coach Russell Smelly's uh, thoughts on coaching and life. And um, I think the, the quote I really liked was he said, don't use athletes to prove something about yourself. Uh, don't use athletes to prove something about yourself. Um, I think we all as coaches, we have to have this heart check and, and uh, check our ego at the door, you know, and especially as, as Christians, having that heart to serve like Christ did, um, that transformational uh, mentality and definitely not easy for me. I had seven years coaching at the NAI level and uh, it was a wrestle and it was a struggle. And maybe in the morning I'm I'm doing good. I'm healthy with it. And by the end of the day, I was I was not walking in the light and, and how I should be. And so we yeah. need friends. We need accountability. Uh, there's a spouse or another coach, but we need people there along our side to help us uh, in that journey because it's so, so common to puff up our ego and our pride. Um, and so I, I appreciated that reminder. from coach. Yeah, I, I, I really like that quote and always, you know, thinking as a coach you're like well if we win this this match what does that say about me or if we lose this match what does that say about me and maybe changing the perfection or the the changing the the dynamics to if we lose this match or if we win this match what does that say about my coaching because that's something that you do not who you are you know and that goes back to our our, as coaches our identity being in something that can't be taken away from us um I really liked the story about going to the London Olympics. That was just incredible. 
how that opportunity came up, you know, and and he took advantage of it and was able to be a part of something special. And then I talked, I like really liked about his biggest mentor being his biggest rival. And even though his biggest rival was, you know, 25 years older than him or 30 years older than him, um, still battling together, you know, battling against each other, but still lifting each other up. And that was that was so special. I remember Sid at Winthrop. You know, he was the coach at Winthrop Tennis for so many years, and I've always wanted to beat him so bad. And he was, you know, he's probably 40 years my senior, you know. And, you know, the one time I did beat him, it felt incredible. But what I really learned from Sid was how he treated his teams. And just from watching, I didn't have a personal relationship with Sid, but every time we played, every time I saw him in tournaments, I would just watch him like a hawk. Just trying to learn as much from him because the success he had at Winthrop was was unbelievable for a mid-major program, and um, until he retired, every year I saw him, I would ask him questions and just watch him to see um, what the secret sauce that he had on that team. Um, so that that spoke to me with Coach Smelly as well. I really liked um, my extra question to Chad. Um, his answer, I didn't like my question. I liked his answer um, about how important it is to have mentors and what we should be really looking for. In, in mentors when we're seeking them out. And they had a great answer there as well. And he did mention a lot about coaching philosophy and that's something I've been working with as well. Yeah, no, I think that was, uh, that was really neat to hear you guys have that conversation about coaching philosophy, just knowing about the, the work and the, the side consulting that you're, you're able to do through your book and, um, and the program that you have set up. So if any coaches out there are listening and thinking, all right, I need, I need a coaching philosophy, but I don't know how to how to put it together or or make it look good. Um, I just want to encourage you reach out to Gian and find out some more information on how Gian is already helping coaches craft their coaching philosophy in beautiful ways and then implement it um, and keep keep moving forward to refine it and make it better. Um, but this uh, this podcast, uh, we're, we're here to serve coaches through conversations. And we want you guys to lead like Jesus. And if you guys could help us just uh, pass this along to other coaches, rate it, review it, uh, all those things really help in the, in the podcast tech world. Um, and uh, we, we uh, I love doing this with Eugene. It's fun to, fun to watch you have these conversations and uh, just encourage all you coaches out there listening um, that, that there's opportunity right where you're at. It's, it's so easy and common to, to dream about the grass being greener on the other side, but God has you right where you are for a purpose and a reason. And just remember that the mission field is right where you're at.